Hi, folks. It's the Gospel of Kennison, episode 106. I'm your host. My name is James. Welcome to my personal audio journal. Last time, I promised that I would read an email that I got. And so that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to respond to it. We'll see how it goes, okay? Uh, Hi, James. This is a long time due. When that story show went away two plus years ago, I meant to write this letter to express my appreciation. And then when the show came back, I thought I should write to express my appreciation and excitement at the return. And now I'm finally writing. In the fall of 2013, I started listening to podcasts, which was great because we were packing up our home in Utah and moving to Southern California. I enjoyed listening to podcasts while packing, driving, and unpacking. In 2014, I started looking for a podcast that we can listen to as a family. And I searched for something like family-friendly podcast, and I found your show. And it was just the thing for myself, my husband, and our two daughters, who were at the time were four and eight. Since moving to SoCal, we have had annual passes to Disneyland, and it's about an hour drive in good traffic. Bad traffic, it's three-plus hours. We started listening while we drove to Disneyland. I started randomly with an episode in the middle of the stream with a title I needed to know more about, The Toilet Moth. We all laughed and snickered and probably guffawed. We were hooked. And over time, we had listened to all the past episodes and eagerly awaited new ones. My daughter always wanted to send in stories, and almost every day, at some point, they would ask, Should we tell that on that story show? We've sent in a few stories, listened live to episodes while chatting, and even sent in an intro. It's so fun hearing our stories read. Funny side story, my father-in-law was visiting from Idaho and driving to Disneyland with us while listening to your show. And we listened to an episode with one of our stories, and he asked, How do you know these people? And we tried to explain podcasts to him. After the episode, he said, I wonder if they have something like this in Idaho. Clearly, he doesn't understand what podcasts are. My oldest daughter, I, loved listening to the funny stories. It helped her anxiety and helped her sleep. She would listen to the episodes over and over. And the move to California was a difficulty to her because we moved from a neighborhood full of friends to a place we knew no one. She also changed from going to a school especially for gifted students to a regular school. And it was hard for her. And your show was always a bright spot in her day. My youngest daughter, A, loves listening to stories, thinking of stories to send in, and keeping up on inside jokes. Yesterday we were at a burger place and she said, Oh, they only have lemons to put in your drink, Mom, not lemons, lemons. Now we mostly listen to episodes as we drive around all the places kids need to be. I is almost 14 and A is 10. And that story show was a part of their childhood experience. We were all so excited when it came back. I has grown up and doesn't binge listen the episodes as much as she used to, but still enjoys listening and thinking of stories to send in. I really appreciate you being frank and open about your struggles with depression. That is something I and I have both dealt with. It's great to hear. It's just another part of your life and who you are. And that you just learn to work around it. I also appreciate your discussions of faith. 
I was born and raised in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. And while I'm not a fully participating member, it's nice to hear from people who are just trying to be their best and treat others kindly too. When we heard about NarthexCon this year, we all wanted to go, but it didn't work into our schedule. Plus, we mapped it out and it would be a 30-hour drive. We're hoping to make it work next year and hope to make a road trip out of it. Besides a trip to Walt Disney... A has never been east of New Mexico. I has only been as far as Mount Rushmore, and none of us have ever been to St. Louis. Plus, if we made it a road trip, we could see many places along the way and re-listen to episodes of that story show. I know you often make assumptions about your audience, so I thought you might like to know who's actually listening. I'm in my 40s. I work as a speech-language pathologist with preschool-age students. I've got some stories about that. And I also have a PhD in special education. So you can say you do have doctors who listen to your show. My husband, C, is a TV news director in L.A. and is usually working when we listen to your shows, so he misses a lot of the inside jokes. Our children, I and A, are wonderfully smart and clever. We don't know anyone who worked on the new Lion King movie, but we do know some animators at Disney and DreamWorks. Also, having lived in Utah for most of my life, Arctic Circle, mentioned in a few stories back, is a local chain in Idaho and in Utah, similar to Culver's or Dairy Queen, that sells mostly soft-serve ice cream treats and some foods such as burgers, hot dogs, and chicken fingers. All their locations have a play area, which is a great place to go in the summer when it's hot outside or winter when it's snowy and freezing outside. They also claim to have invented fry sauce, which is ketchup, mayo, and pickle juice. It sounds horrible. You have truly found your life's calling making this podcast. Thanks again. And that comes to us from S. Well, she said I could use her first name. So, Sarah, thank you so much for this email. It um it means a lot. I I don't I I get emails like this, but I don't get very many and each one is very unique and very special. And everybody's got their unique reason for why the show means so much to them. And if you were to hold a gun to my head and say, what does your show mean to people? I would never be able to guess all of the different things uh, and the reasons and the angles that people would have. Um, I've had folks that have said that the show has helped them through their depression. I have a gentleman just the other day that told me through Facebook that the show has helped him, um, through his divorce. Um, and he, in here we have a mother and a daughter who deal with depression and claiming the show has has helped them. Um, and that my example, <clears throat> which is crazy, has, has helped them. I, I, that's the part, I guess I don't understand. And what makes it so hard to respond is I do not see myself as someone that is any kind of example because I fail constantly. Um, and one of those failures is to consistently put out podcasts. Um, right now I'm kind of in, in an upswing and I blame my new medicine. I think uh, it's helped a lot. 
my days don't go exactly still how I think they should, but I am more active and I have more drive and more energy. And I get to where I want to start thinking outside the box and doing more stuff. And then I'm afraid to. I'm afraid to. And and some of you may understand what I'm talking about, where when you're down, you don't want to do anything. So when you're up, you kind of feel like you could you can do a lot more. And and but but you don't want to because what if I go back down and I can't complete these things or I set myself up to fail? And last night I was laying in bed trying to sleep. And uh, it, it only took about an hour, which was great compared to the hours and hours that it used to take, you know, until recently. But I was thinking, is it so bad to want to do the things that you can do when you're available, when you're, when you're up? Is it really that bad of an idea? And I decided, at least in theory, that no, it's not, you know, and it falls in line with my personal uh, goal or statement that I say that when I can do, I do so that when I can't, it's not as big a deal. And I've called bullcrap on that several times because what happens is it seems like you you start doing what you can do when you can and people get dependent on that and then when you can't you end up letting them down even more than if you had just stayed out of it altogether and kept existing as if you were still down but i i don't think that's the right way i don't think that's what you really want to do i think for me anyway that when i'm up and when i'm able that I should do as much as possible, that I should stretch myself as thin as I can and do as much as I can with as many people as I can and accomplish as many tasks as I can. Even if it does end up letting people down, at least once I go back down, I will have accomplished some things. And I will have allowed my family and those who love me to experience the best part of, of what I am, the, the real me, so to speak, or what I claim to be the real me. And then even on my darkest day, when my depression tries to hold those things over my head and say, you know, hey, this is what you weren't, you were doing, and you can't even do that now. At least I could, if I wanted to, I could say, yeah, but I did them. I accomplished something. So last night when I was laying in bed, <laughs> I had a goal. And that was to call a friend for lunch and, and just catch up. Well, this morning, that friend actually reached out to me and asked me to lunch, and I couldn't do it. <laughs> I, I couldn't get out of bed. 
and I failed. So, you know, I, I should have, I should have done it differently, I guess. I don't know, but you know, when you're laying there in bed, anything's possible. It's easy to decide you want to diet or, uh, change something about yourself. But then in the morning when you actually have to go to the gym or make that phone call or text, it's a totally different ball game. But I did go to the doctor this morning and, uh, you know, I, I, I got another medication that's supposed to help me sleep. And hopefully that'll help because I think getting sleep recently has helped me more than anything. But Sarah wrote an awesome email. And like I said, I, I, I am blessed by the whole thing. Anytime somebody takes time out of their schedule to write such, especially such a big email and share from their life and and how the show has affected them. It's a, it's awesome. It speaks to me. Um, but I, for the life of me, cannot see myself as any kind of example to follow. Um, I, I know for a fact there are people out there with the same condition and even worse that are doing better than I am and are doing much more than I am. I recently read a book called Darkness is My Only Companion, A Christian Response to Mental Illness by Catherine Green McCreet and uh, Justin Welby. And um, this woman has proper bipolar and uh, she's written a book and she speaks and the thing has been translated into Chinese and is used in college courses and the theological seminaries and stuff like that. Um, I, I hope one day to be an example of what God can do with someone like me, but honest to God, I, I feel like I'm still too far into the, dirt of the thing i'm still too too low in the ground i'm still not far enough down the path to claim that i have any kind of victory or that i um have anything that i could i don't know inspire someone else with Change of subject. As I said, as far as the way I'm feeling, um, I think the last time I reported, I said I was feeling like crap, miserable, buzzing in my head up late every night. But all of that has changed. Um, My medicine, I seem to have adjusted to it. Um, All of the buzzing is gone. Um, About every third night is a bad night. But other than that, I seem to get to sleep within an hour of laying down, which is good. Um, my daytimes, I still don't know how to operate. Um, by default, I want more sleep. 
Um, I, I'm home alone, so I don't feel a lot of motivation to get out and do things. Uh, but I'm hoping that'll change as my sleep gets better. But I, I don't do good home alone. I, I wish what I wish. This is what I wish. I wish I was consistent because I would almost just go out and get a job. Just a, a piece of crap job. I wouldn't even really care what it was. Just to have something to force me to get out of the house and interact with people. But I'm not consistent. And and tomorrow I could be down in the dumps again. And then I wouldn't even be able to get out of bed. And I'd be calling in, claiming I was sick. So I didn't have to tell somebody the truth. I don't know. I've got a friend that I came here to work with. Um, and I, and I need to sit down and talk to him and just, you know, he, he actually read the same book I read. So I think he understands where I'm coming from a lot more now. And I just need to tell him what I need as, as much as I should be here to serve him in, in the ministry. Um, I think I'm going to have to ask him to serve my needs, if that makes sense, and just say, hey, you know, you can't rely on me. Um, therefore, you know, I'm, I'm going to be pretty useless most of the time, but, you know, can can we pretend like I'm supposed to hang around with you for a few hours a day? And uh, at least that would get me up, showered, shaved, and dressed. And see, it's stuff like that that makes me feel like you guys only, you know, you don't, you don't really understand or know um, what, what's going on. Because even as I'm sitting here, I'm in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt, no socks. You know, I haven't showered today. I will. I, I do shower once a day, but showering for a depressed person is like going to the gallows. I don't know what it is, but it is so terrible. Once you're in there, it's not as bad, but it's not enjoyable. It's just work. It's a work. It's a job that needs to be done every day. It's like making the bed. It's the most useless thing because you're just going to be dirty again tomorrow. And I like being clean. I like the after effect. I like n n my hair not looking like I just had a rat run through it for for a night. I'm not a, a person that enjoys being filthy. But if you're a depressed person, you know what I'm talking about. For some reason, showering in particular is the worst. And somebody who you look up to ought to, ought to want to shower. <laughs> So pick a hero or pick, pick someone to be inspired by that stays clean willingly rather than because his wife said, you owe me to shower at least once a day. And that's exactly what she had to do ab about two years ago. And I've been doing it. Not because I want to. Because I have to. Isn't that weird? Isn't that ridiculous? 
So my keto diet seems like I've got off the rails somehow. Eating too many carbs. I haven't lost anything for about a month. or It feels like a month. It's probably been more like two weeks. Um, I haven't gained anything, but I haven't lost. And so somewhere in there, I'm getting too many carbs. And I think it might have to do with my yogurt and blueberries for breakfast. My wife seemed to think that they were low carb. I hadn't checked. But she says they got more carbs than we knew. And and that might be throwing me out of ketosis or whatever I'm supposed to be in. So I'm hoping to get back on track with that and start seeing the numbers go down on the scale because they haven't budged. I've been bouncing between 273 and 275. And at one point I was down almost, I, I, I want to say to 270. So, um, you know, it it would be good to see some progress on that. It's just hard, man. It's hard. Diets are hard when you're hungry all the time. Um, but the keto diet's hard because not, not for dinner because dinner is easy. You want to eat a piece of meat for dinner. That's not a big deal. But meat for breakfast is a is a big deal for me. I want cereal. And short of that, I want my yogurt and my blueberries because I've gotten used to that. It's become a thing. But now I, I got to have eggs. And eggs require preparing things. And um, it's not easy in the morning to get up and, and do things like that. My wife also said, give yourself a break because before... You know, during the summer, you were sleeping in till 11 and getting up and eating breakfast slash lunch and then eating dinner. And so you were only eating about two meals a day. And now you're up taking the kids. So you eat breakfast, you lay down, you get up, you eat lunch, then you eat dinner. And uh, she's right. So I am taking in more calories so I, I I guess that explains it. So you know, pick a hero, <laughs> pick a, pick a pick someone to look up to who isn't overweight and uh, struggling with with a diet where you're actually allowed to eat. Lunch is hard because I've got sandwich meat, and I've got cheese and things like that, but with no bread. You can't make a sandwich, and that's what you want for lunch, a sandwich. So people have suggested salads. They just they I'm so sick of salads. I, I just salad, salads. I mean, the only salad that I still like is at Culver's. Culver's has a cranberry blue chicken salad, and they put the hot chicken breast sliced right on top of it. Now everything else is nice and cold. They put cran raisins in there and uh, blue cheese crumbles and you put blue cheese dressing on that and it is amazing. Um, but I, I can't, you know, I'm not making that at the house. I'm just not. It's just, you know, hearts of romaine and uh, bacon bits and uh, <laughs> cheddar cheese and some ranch. It's a good old Southern fried salad. And uh, that just doesn't 
fill the void, literally. So, I don't know. Um, so, Jay and I are reading. Uh, we're reading. Um, we finished our last book, and we are starting Harry Potter, uh, the Half-Blood Prince. We're about five to eight chapters in, and I still love our reading time together. But the boy is apparently middle school is is work because during the summer when we would read, he'd be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, but I got to watch him now, man. I got to watch him over the book because homeboy will fall asleep while I'm reading to him, and I will have read a page and a half, and he ain't heard none of it. So, uh, gotta, gotta get on him. I, I, or I, I just have to stay on him. And, uh, he wanted to go to bed early last night. So we started reading early and, uh, I could just see on his face, those eyes that, that looked as if they should be closed. He just, he looked a little drunk. <laughs> it's like, it's time to quit reading. We made it to the end of the chapter with at least, you know, uh, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if, if reading is going to last. But I mean, the boy is the boy is in um, sixth grade, you know. But like I've said on the show, he's young for his age and, and he enjoys uh, stuff. And I was young for my age when I was a kid. So I probably would have let somebody read to me when I was in high school, be honest. Um, I mean, I was still collecting toys, but. I thought that was a kid's thing at the time, but it was a geek thing, I swear. Uh, Jenna's doing good in school. She's uh, part of a honors group, and they have different classes than the rest of the school, harder classes. And uh, she says history. It's actually called Big History. Um, it's kicking her butt. And it's not really kicking her butt academically, like she's not smart enough. It's just a lot of work. And so I don't listen to her complain. I'm a bad father. She said, I'm jealous of all these kids that aren't in my class because they don't have to do all this work. And I'm like, yeah, and they're not going to get college paid for either. And she goes, I know, I know. So I don't think there's anything wrong with a little bit of extra writing work because that's the stuff that she's having to do is, you know, a paper here, a paper there. She's having to write, um, all these papers. And, uh, when she was younger, she wanted to be a writer anyway. So I don't think it's bad for her at all. Um, I will say about my daughter that I appreciate her. She is a good, 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 good young lady. She really, really is. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I believe that it will last. Um, I think she's going to be a good kid all the way through high school. I'm sure she'll struggle. I'm sure she'll blow up at us one day, that kind of stuff. But as of right now, she's, she's just a good kid. And I, I mean, in the context of uh, comparing her to other high school kids and the only context I have now is driving her to school and dropping her off. And seeing like the clothes she wears versus what the other girls 
try to get away with with their uniforms. Um, my daughter will wear the uniform skirt once in a while, and it reaches the appropriate length. But I see other girls, they do this thing called rolling, where they roll the waistband so they can get the skirt to be higher. So my daughter doesn't do that. She's not that kind of girl. She doesn't feel like she has to show off part of her body to attract the attention of boys that I wouldn't want her to attract attention to attract their attention. She, she doesn't want that either. And, um, that plays an important part in what I'm going to talk about next, which is recently she's asked me for Instagram and Instagram. I kind of, I, I it, it stressed me out immediately because Instagram to me uh, has always been a, a pretty decent little platform. I've used it to post uh, photos mostly to con you know keep in contact with folks during the week about the, sh- the podcast and things like that. And I have a personal account that I don't really use. Um, but suddenly her asking, seemed like it turned Instagram into a dangerous weapon against her. And my wife said that my tone, when I started asking her, what did she want to use it for? Got very accusatory and dark. And, and I didn't mean for it to, I just wanted to know if she knew what Instagram was capable of because she <laughs> she doesn't understand what it's like for for a father um that worries about his daughter i i told her i said you know i you just got to understand that to me it's like this imagine there is a fenced in area that when you turn 12 we give you a pair of scissors and we set you loose in there. And imagine that you just turned 12 and you have your pair of scissors and you're asking me to go in there with all the other kids. And I know that you're going to be safe with your scissors. I have no doubt about that. But that there are kids in there that are being safe as well. But there are also kids that are not being safe. They're being careless. And then there's an even smaller group but very real and very present that are being actually nasty and mean and poking and cutting other children on purpose. It's not a ton, but it's just enough. And that's what I feel like I'm giving you when you ask me for Instagram. I did my homework on Instagram and It does a lot more than I thought it did. I didn't know about direct messaging, for instance, and I didn't know that it did the Snapchat thing where it sent one-time photos. Uh, Basically, you you, you can set it to where your message and your photo can be seen one time and then it disappears. And so the teenagers love this, first of all, because their parents aren't on Instagram. And secondly, it's not Facebook and it's not full of ads and stuff. 
And thirdly, they can send these pictures that they think disappear. And um, the thing is, on most uh, phones, you can take a screenshot of whatever you see on the phone. So the idea of a disappearing photo is bull, because if you want to keep it, you can. And so that scares me. I don't want her to be getting photos and messages from boys, you know, of ill repute. And I know not every boy out there is a hornball that just wants to take advantage of her. But um, there are those guys out there, you know. You, you know there are. It's a big enough school. And uh, there are boys that are stupid. That's what, I, that's what I've told her in the past. There are stupid boys, which is all of us. We're all stupid, even the men. Um, there's stupid boys. And then there are boys with agendas. And they just, you know, they're, they're, they're going to play you and try to get what they want out of you. And then they said there are predators. And uh, actually, I said there, there are stupid boys, there are perverted boys, and there are predator boys. And, uh, and those guys are dangerous. All of them are dangerous, but especially the higher up the rung you go, the more dangerous they are. And, um, so she wants Instagram. What do you want it for? I want it to text my friends. Well, can't you do that through regular texting? My wife says, yeah, but it's more accessible. And I said, exactly. It makes my daughter more accessible. That's why they call it a platform rather than a program. It's an app that is a platform because it's a platform for you to stand on and show the world yourself and i i hate selfies i hate people that i don't hate the people i just hate that they feel like you've seen them these people that just shoot selfies of themselves constantly and put them on facebook or instagram and you know they're living off of the comments and the likes that they're getting to feed their self-esteem and and i feel bad for them because that's where they're getting a majority probably of their you know, their, their self-esteem from. And I, I, I don't want her to become a selfie girl. I don't want her to put herself out there like that. I don't believe she will, but I worry that she will. And of course the question came up, you know, do you trust me? And I said at the time, of course I trust you. I just don't trust other people. But last night I kind of had an epiphany as I was laying there trying to sleep. And the truth is I don't trust her. Nah, I don't. And that sounds terrible, but I don't trust her. You know why? Because she's never dealt with this before. I have nothing, uh, no, no proof, no evidence, no substance to hold on to that says Jenna can handle Instagram because she has proven herself in, in Instagram situations and scenarios. She's never been on social media. I don't, 
have anything to trust her with. And to explain myself, I'll, I'll, this is something I used to do in children's ministry. At least I did it once or twice to, to make a point. And I'd say, kids, do you trust your parents? And of course they would say, yes, yes, I do. Yes, we do. Trust them with anything. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Would you trust them to land a giant jet plane if the pilot suddenly disappeared? And there would just be silence. And the unsaid answer was no. No, we wouldn't trust them with that because we've, they don't have any experience. And it would be scary. And I've never known them to know what to do with all the switches and dials. And even if they tried, I would be scared the entire time. And no, I would not trust them. And it's, be, it's, it's simply because you haven't experienced it yet. We do the same thing with T-shirts. We do the same things with, with uh, where we sit. You know, the first time you, you find a, a, a chair and you buy it and you bring it home, set it around the dinner table, you might be a little cautious when you sit down in it because you don't know. Is it going to slide out from under you? Is it comfortable? Is it, is it going to squeak? Is it going to hold me if you're somebody my size? <laughs> um, but after it's proven itself as a, as a reasonable and hardworking chair, then you can trust it. And you move into trust and you don't have to have faith in it anymore. You can trust it. I can't trust her in this war, in this thing. But it did occur to me last night that though I can't trust her in this thing, I do have faith in her because she isn't rolling her skirts. She isn't one to try to get attention to make herself feel pretty or valuable. She isn't a normal kid. And it's just like biblical faith. When they say that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, you know, faith basically is the only, it's, it's believing in something you haven't seen and have, and, and it becomes its own evidence for it being reality. Well, in this case, I don't have any evidence except for outside of the realm of social media, the way she interacts with friends, the way she interacts with boys, the way she's always been around the opposite gender, um, the way she carries herself, the way she thinks about herself, the safety that she's shown in having an email address and a cell phone. And just the fact that she's Jenna, she's a good kid. So even though I don't have trust in her in this area, I have taken a step back and said, but I do have faith in her. And I believe that she just wants to message her friends. And I believe that if something goes wrong or if something comes across there that is not, I, I, I believe she will use it properly and responsibly. And I believe 
that she, if something did go wrong and something did come across there that wasn't correct or right, that she would tell somebody that she would be repulsed by it. You know, let's just say it. I, I, I worry about guys sending her what they call DPs. You don't have to use your imagination, but it's, it's uh, synonymous with penis pictures. And, uh, and it rhymes DP. Uh, this is a thing that, that guys do. And my wife can't imagine how that would be in, in any way attractive to a girl. And I said, yeah, I, I'm with you, but it's all it would take is one girl saying, oh my gosh, I've get, been sent five of these this week. I just, oh, I just don't understand it. Oh. And then the girl next to her saying, I don't get anything sent to me. You know, I suddenly it becomes a status thing. Suddenly it becomes something that normally I, I, even though I wouldn't want, it would be repulsed by now I want to happen because it's somehow proof that I'm desirable and sexy and cute or whatever it is that girls are trying to be. And something that would normally be absolutely outrageous and unwanted and gross, uh, can change overnight into something that is, that is, you know, desired even though they don't get maybe the same visual stimuli that a boy would out of, out of photos. Um, first, I, I trust my daughter. I have faith that she would not allow something like that to happen. And if it ever did, she would, she would absolutely uh, do the right thing. Um. There's a part of me that wants to protect her from everything in the world. Uh, and, and saying no to Instagram seems like the right thing to do, but am I rewarding her or punishing her for being somebody that is faithful And, um, so I'm thinking I'm going to let her have Instagram because I believe in her. I've, I have faith in her, her behavior, the way she acted when I told her that she couldn't have it. Not now. She didn't freak out. She didn't lose her temper. She, she really didn't say anything except when you say not now, does that mean not until high school is over. And I wanted to say, yes, <laughs> I wanted to actually say, if you need an answer right now, by God, it's going to be not till you're, you're married with kids. But I just calmly said, it just means not now. And I do believe that she'll use it just to message friends. And I do believe that she will not have friends that are dirty, nasty freaks. And um, I do believe that I will be her best friend on Instagram. <laughs> and I'm going to make her mom get an account too. So everything she puts out there will go right past my feed. But we've even talked about it. I've told her, I, I said, you know, I, I, I don't want guys asking you 
for photos. And she goes, oh, 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 God, no. And I, and I don't want guys sending you stuff. And, and, and I've found out that with direct messages, you have to approve the message before it can be sent to you. So it's not like a guy can target her and send her anything he wants. It's uh, he would have to, first of all, know her Instagram, and then he would have to get her permission to, to send it. So there is control. And that was a big thing for me is, is I can trust her, but am I setting her up? Am I putting her in a trap? Um, or I, I can have faith in her rather. So this is me growing as a father. I hope I'm making the right decision. You know, uh, my, my wife tends to lean more towards the, the, um, to saying yes more often because her family said no quite a bit. And she kind of had a rebellious heart and she would go and do it anyway. I think Jenna's a little bit more like me in that she's afraid of getting in trouble. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely the guy that, that is more apt to say no, but I have to watch that too, because my mom said no a lot. And I went out and did things and said things and I, I never went crazy, but there were definitely things that she wouldn't have approved of that would have probably not have happened had we had more open lines of communication about the subject. So in other words, I feel like an Instagram account that I'm aware of is better than an Instagram account that she goes out and makes. Now, let me say this too thing that gives me a lot of faith in her is that she asked for this account. She didn't just go out and do it. She asked and she allowed my answer to be her answer. Um, I'm pretty darn sure it's pretty darn possible to go out and get an Instagram account and hide it from your folks. She hasn't done that. And she responded, like I said earlier, very well to my decision. And I think that goes a long way in proving that she is faithful or someone to have faith in. So I don't know where all that came from. It's just where I'm at right now. And one of the struggles that I'm dealing with having a teenager, I hope it speaks to you. The whole thing of trust versus faith. That no, you know, when, when your kid asks you, don't you trust me? You can tell them I do in some things. <laughs> I, I trust you a lot in a lot of areas. I trust her with Netflix. For instance, I trust her with YouTube. Those were not easy things at first, but I've seen her behave responsibly with those technologies and the availability of materials that she's not allowed to watch. She's not even tempted. You know, I can't say that my son won't be that way. We're, we're a different beast, us boys. Um, but she has proven herself faithful. So um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't trust her with Instagram, but I believe I can have enough faith. I have enough evidence. I have enough substance in other areas where I could trust her. Um, to be good with, with Instagram. So 
I think I've talked myself into it. It's still a bunch of kids running around with scissors. But maybe in this analogy, um, maybe that's a bad analogy. Because it's not exactly that way. You have to have a connection, first of all. And you have to have permission, second of all. So um, if I can trust her with the kind of friends she chooses, which I do, I can have faith that she will make good decisions with uh, the Instagram pl platform. So uh, there we go. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of GOK. If you did, um, I would appreciate it if you would consider supporting the show. Uh, on Patreon, patreon.com slash GOK is where you go. And uh, you can sponsor the show monthly for a buck or two bucks or three bucks or four bucks or five bucks or six bucks or ten bucks. You can just go nuts. But even a dollar would help. This is what I do for a living. As a depressed person, I cannot hold down a job. I cannot be uh, 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 predictable enough. So this is my income. This is the income I bring into the family. And so um, it would really mean a lot. You get uh, special roles on the Discord server. Um, if, if you want the most for your money, though, I would go over to that story show and sponsor there, honestly, because you get uh, access to video game codes every month. Um, there's just a lot more perks for the same amount. But if you want to sponsor GOK and you don't care about perks, you just want to help me out. It's uh, patreon.com slash GOK. All right. So pray for me <laughs> as I open the Pandora's box called Instagram. For my daughter and uh we'll see you next time right here on the gospel of kennison peace